0: We have created something for you this morning that I think might be helpful. If you'll grab your bulletin, and if you don't have one of these, I forgot to mention this to Gerald and Perry. But if you did not get a bulletin, there's probably plenty, and I'd like for you to have one just so you could utilize something to help take notes on. We've put together, uh, side by side here for you, Isaiah chapter 46. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, I'm going to teach a little bit differently. A little, uh, Maybe not. Maybe you'll think it's just normal. Maybe you'll think, man, when is he ever going to finish? And then I'll have to pick up Emma and send her your way. Um, but I want to um, teach this morning in a way that shows um, how Scripture is connected and points to Jesus and how... Um, I feel like um, the whole Bible, the whole kind of big picture is this pointing to Christ, pointing towards the Messiah, uh, pointing towards the gospel or the good news. And so I want to clarify, uh, we're not taking Scripture out of context and placing them in the bulletin. So you're more than welcome to turn to Isaiah 46 and look at it in your Bible, and then also turn to Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, and look at it in your Bible, but I wanted to uh, just kind of cross-reference these two together, and so that's why they're there in the bulletin, side by side, so that you can see this. Again, we're not taking Scripture out of context. Uh, we want to leave Scripture exactly where it is. We, we believe that uh, that it is without error, and so because of that, uh, we don't want to try and uh, take it out and put it over here, and, and then make it full of errors because uh because that's how we as humans interpret but instead this is just a a resource for you that i hope will equip you we've been talking all summer about uh, the good news or the gospel uh, with the intent of equipping you better on how to share the gospel with others particularly how to preach the gospel to others and i know that when i said that many of you thought well good thing i'm not a preacher and uh, it's not my responsibility to preach the gospel in reality, it is all of our responsibilities. If we've been given, um, new life in Christ and he is our Lord, then it is our responsibility to preach the gospel. And I know that sounds really weird because you're like, I haven't been to seminary. Hey, guess what? Neither have I. And so, <laughs> so, uh, so I know you're thinking, well, I'm not, it's not even my profession. I have no, um, I have no kind of, um, thought of or ever dream of being a preacher or maybe you really do want to be a preacher and every week you're like I could preach better than him please let me know that afterwards and we'll make that happen and give you an opportunity to, to preach But more importantly than that, uh, I'm wanting you to see, and I think through prayer, the hope is, or the intention is, that um, the past six weeks or so, uh, the sermons that have been preached, the studies that we've been doing, and if you've missed any of those, this is kind of the plug for that. You can get online to our website and you can listen to those. But the hope is that you would be vessels of mercy, that you would have an understanding of the bad news, of how sin separates us from God, and punishment is, is hell, and how Christ has taken that punishment for. Us, if we live in obedience to Him, if we confess Him as Lord, He, he stands in our place. Uh, we want you to see those things. We want you to see the doctrine of, of, of adoption, the doctrine of justification, all these things, so that you have an understanding. And I know many of you already have that. But the hope is that once you have a, a better understanding and are equipped, then maybe you really will preach the gospel. Because for some reason, I feel, I feel as if um, just our our church here, or our flock, um, is hesitant to to preach or to share the gospel. Maybe there's a a wide variety of factors, and you could come up with those however you want. But for some reason, we're hesitant to share the good news or to preach the good news. I I have my own theories of of why. I think most of it just comes from fear. Um, Most of it has just to do with fear, like what what if people aren't accepting of me? Uh, What if it changes who I am? Uh, That's the whole point of the gospel. The whole point of the gospel is to change who you are. And so if in sharing or preaching the gospel, you feel like people are treating you differently, praise the Lord. Like You're preaching the gospel. You're preaching the good news about Jesus that is supposed to change who you are. If we have the same fears and the same uh, anxiety and the same goals and the same uh, mission or vision as unbelievers, as people who are not saved, as people who are still living in bad news, have we really, truly I accepted the good news of Jesus, accepted the gospel. Have we truly been saved? And I think that we need to think, think through that. So Isaiah 46, I uh, preached to you last week in hopes that you would uh, kind of gain a better understanding and see from Old Testament times. Uh, that God is the one who carries us God is the one who saves us God is the one who lifts the burden off of us he also is the one who made us and so because of that um, we should live for him I don't have this picture and mostly because I didn't ask for permission and so it's easier just to use my own description of this and then to say sorry and uh, and then ask for a uh, you know um, like you know forgiveness later but last year Zach Vaughn and a couple other guys uh I went on an elk hunt and um Zach I don't know if you're okay with this or not, I'll say the good words. Zach harvested a uh, an elk. He he um put an elk to sleep for a while. <laughs> and uh and so because of that we uh we decided to pack all the elk meat out so that we could eat the meat. And um and there was a real struggle in carrying the elk out. Maybe you've done this before. I know David and Gerald have been hunting together, and the story goes that David had to carry the entire elk out while Gerald watched. You can ask them about that story later. Uh, they just argued about that recently. That's why I bring that up. Love to bring up those arguments. Uh, but Zach, uh, halfway up the mountain, uh, was feeling the burden and the weight of carrying A portion of this elk out of the woods and I turned to him and said hey it's worth it it is worth it I'm not really sure why I said that because you know like thinking back like so is like a green chili hamburger from Old Jack's you know it's like it's a lot easier to grab but I looked at him and said it's worth it and then we have this picture of Zach on top of a mountain as he climbed up and he's got the the pack on his back and his face is red and he just looks like you know like at that moment of like desperation like why did I come to Lovington? Why am I in ministry? Why am I alive? I mean, all those thoughts are coming through his mind. And then we have another picture of him, like leaning up against a tree, like not in like the you know crucifixion pose, but it looked like that, like he had just suffered for the sins of the world. <laughs> and uh, and anyways, in that, so we, I tried to make a deal with him that if I could carry, if I could carry his pack down, then I could have everything that was in his pack. You know, like if I'll carry, I'll carry your pack for a while, but I want what's in the pack, and uh, and so I put the weight on and tried to carry the pack, and it was way too heavy for me. I'm just admitting that, okay? I'm a man, and I know, but I'm admitting my weakness. It was way too heavy, and uh, and so we, we traded. I could not carry I could not carry his his burden, and so because he carried the elk meat down in his pack, and because he did all the sacrificing, literally, uh, because of all that. That elk belonged to him. So Isaiah 46, that's the whole story of Isaiah 46. Like there's this great struggle where Christ is bearing our sins and the burden for us. Isaiah 53 uh, verses 4 and 11 go into this. Like has he borne our transgressions? Has he carried them? Yes, he has. And there's this moment in Jesus' carrying of all our transgressions and our sins and the weight of that. He's in the garden and he's thinking through this and, and you you know what happens. He begins to sweat what? He begins to sweat blood because he's in such turmoil, anxiety. And I kind of believe in that moment as he's going up that mountain, you know, symbolically, like the Lord whispers or yells, Hey, it's worth it. It is worth it. I know it doesn't seem like it at the moment, but it is it is worth it. And I know that at the top of the mountain there's this maybe this thought of like well, let somebody else carry it. And then at the end, I'll reap the benefits for that. But that's not how the gospel really works. Instead, Christ had to carry it the entire way, carried the weight of sin and the burden and the shame and the guilt and all those things that belong to you and I and the rest of the world. He carried those. And in a sense, He's carrying us also. And then at the end of the suffering and at the end of the sacrifice and at the beginning of the resurrection, we, the good news is that we belong to him. If he has carried us, we belong to him. We belong to him. And so the good news is is that if we belong to him, then then we don't belong to anything or anyone else. And so we shouldn't live for for those things. But instead the sacrifice has been made, the burden has been carried, and because of all that, we live for him. He has carried us, And so we belong to him. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 31, uh, there's, there's this really great story of how the Israelites, they've gone into this land that the Lord is supposed to give to them and they begin to be fearful and afraid and scared. Because of, uh, because of, well, they say because of how tall the people are, because of how powerful they are, because of how fortified their city is. Like, we have no chance. We're weak. We're afraid. We're fearful. And the Lord says to them through Moses in Deuteronomy chapter one, verse 31, He says, as a man carries his son, so I will carry you. As a man carries his son, so I will carry you. I mean, this is the picture of the gospel that Jesus is the one carrying us. As we just sang, I will follow you. In a sense, I mean, that's a good song, and I love it. I am singing it at the top of my lungs, but, but also we need to understand that like he's, we're not just following him. like We are followers of Jesus, but he's actually carrying us. We're on him. Everything, we're all in. And he's carrying us. As a father carries his son, so God, or Christ, will carry us. So I'm going to quickly go through uh, Isaiah 46 and Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 together. And you can look at these, and you can make notes, and you can circle things. I've highlighted things things for you and put things in color so that you can see um, some things that are connected here. Baal bows down to Nebo. Nebo stoops. Their idols are on beasts and livestock. These things you carry and are born as burdens on weary beasts. So these things that were made were created. These false idols were created and made, and and in their making – of this false idol, they actually become a burden. Do you have things in your life like right now that have been created by human hands, maybe even your own hands, that are a weight and a burden to you? Well, the gospel says... That weight can be lifted off. Matthew 11, verse 30. Jesus is saying this. Come to me and I will give you rest. I will take this burden off of you. Verse 2. They stoop, they bow down together. They cannot save the burden, but themselves go into captivity. These handmade... Idols these false idols these lies are only worthy of going to the sewage They're only worthy of going to the landfill They're only worthy of going into the garbage because they're dead and they can't do anything They cannot do anything Ephesians 2 1 through uh, 3 and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked are burdens, and they're having to be carried. Verse 3, listen to me, of Isaiah 46, listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me or made by me from before your birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age, verse 4 says, even to your old age I am he, and to your gray hairs I will carry you. I have made you. I will bear or, or I will uh, carry the load. I will bear the burden for you. I will carry and I will save. So the imagery or the thought or the theme here between both, both of these um, texts from Isaiah and from Ephesians is that there's one person who's dead carrying around dead things. One person who's dead carrying around dead weight, carrying around the desires of the body and the mind and the flesh. Like like, uh, by nature, we're children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We're carrying these things around like these people in Isaiah 46 who are having this non-triumphant moment where they're celebrating dead things. They're celebrating dead things. And the Lord is responding with this. Like, do you not know from before you were even born, from before your birth, I was making you. I was making you. I was even in that moment carrying you in the room. I was carrying you. Verse into verse four. I am He. Into your gray hairs, I will carry you. I've made and I will bear. I will carry and I will save. So back to Ephesians two one through three. If we're walking in deadness, if we're walking in trespasses and sins, if these things lead to death, if sin leads to death, then we're in need of rescuing. We're in need of someone to come and save us. We're in need of someone to come give us newness of life. And we still, even as a saint, we still battle this every day. The people of Isaiah, in Isaiah's time, the reason why the Lord is having to come to them is because They're in Babylon, the gateway to the gods. They're in Babylon, and they're reaching out to Baal, this little G-God who wants everyone to call him Lord, this little L-Lord. And Nebo, they're bowing down to Nebo even, this false god, this false prophet. They're bowing to these things in hopes that these things will give them life. Maybe you already know this. But you probably have friends and families or co-workers or classmates or neighbors that do not know this. And you see their struggle. You see the weight on them. You see them carrying around things like Bell and Nebo. You see them making things in order to worship those things. You see them hoping that these things are going to give them life. And instead of sitting back saying, wow, poor them... Man, they look pitiful. They look burdened. They look exhausted. We should give them good news. Hey, those things that you're pursuing, even those things that you're trying to parade around and celebrate, they are not going to give you life. In fact, they're dead things they are going to lead to your death. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, verse 3 of Ephesians 2 says. Like, what are those desires? Well, Paul continues, he talks about this in Galatians chapter 5. Carrying out the the desires of the flesh are things like idolatry and strife and jealousy and fits of anger and sexual morality and divisions and envy, drunkenness. These things that are, are leading us to death and not to life. These things that are continuing to separate us from the God who created us taking us back to brokenness and sin. Again, Isaiah 46.4. i got it highlighted there for you. I will carry you, I've made you, I will bear, I will carry, and I will save. I think that we struggle with this often because we want to put our hands around things that we can carry. Do you know why we want to put our hands around things that we can carry? Because if we can put our hands around things that we can carry and we can hold on to them, then we can control them. And if we can control them, then we think that we can say, "Hey, we can manipulate it into a way." No, if I control this, if I control this, then I know that in the end, it will give me, it will give me life, or it will be, it will be sustaining, or I'll find delight ultimately in it. Can I just say this? And I think I said it last week, but like, we don't want a God small enough that we can hold. Nebo and Baal, they could be carried, they could be picked up, they could be placed on the backs of donkeys or oxen or Or horses or cows or whatever. They could be picked up. They could be controlled. When we walk in deadness, when we walk in sin, when we walk in old life, when we walk in these things, we begin to carry out the desires of the flesh. Carrying them, picking them up, forming them into the likeness that we want them to be. Controlling them. And this is the struggle we have with being obedient to Jesus. Jesus, I want to be obedient with you, for you. I want to follow your instructions. I want my life to be in in you. I want my righteousness to be the righteousness that you have. But I want to carry you. I want to be in control. I want to decide all these things. I'll sing it on Sunday morning that I will follow you, but I only mean that in the 30 minutes that we sing that. I don't mean it the rest of the week. I'm going to carry you to the places I want to go. I'm going to place you in the places that I want to go. And then in Isaiah 46, verse 5, again, uh, God begins to shift a little bit. He says, to whom will you liken me? So who are you going to make an image out of? What are you going to do to make something that looks like me? Who are you going to make my equal and compare me that we may be alike? It's a good question, God. Thanks for asking that. Because this is what the people are doing. Verse 6, those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh out silver and scales hire a goldsmith, and he makes it into a god, and they fall down and worship it. I know that we do this. No one in this room is out of this. We all do this. God has given us resources, silver, gold. We have it in our purse or a wallet, and then we use those resources to go and find things that we make into idols, and then we fall down. And worship us. I remember years ago at a youth camp, camp was over, everyone's exhausted, and a friend of mine named Rick Wood, he used to be the uh, worship pastor at First Baptist Church Plains, Texas. Uh, we were loading up his, his uh, trailblazer with all the stuff, all the supplies from the, from the week, and he also had a, uh, a trailer that he had his golf cart uh, on and so uh so we loaded up his trailblazer closed his hatch and then uh then he, he uh said I'm going to load up my a golf cart you know kind of steer me in or direct me in he loads his golf cart and as he loads it and you've probably seen these little trailers before as he loads it uh the golf cart the trailer was not hitched on and so because be, because it wasn't latched the trailer goes up the golf cart goes down and then he just pressed pe- on the gas and he And he punched it back down. Well, it didn't land perfectly back down on the hitch. Instead, it went into the back of his trailblazer. And for a moment, I thought, oh, no, this is my fault. I should have been paying attention. And then, of course, because I'm sinful, I'm like, it ain't my fault. It ain't my golf cart. It ain't my trailer. It ain't my trailblazer. I wasn't driving. You know, all those things. Like, oh, my goodness. And then I think, of course, we just had a great week at camp. Lives have been saved students and adults have been, you know, motivated to go and live obedient to, to Christ. And of course something like this would happen. How is Rick going to respond to this? How is he going to respond to this? Well if sin is reigning his life and that's what he's carrying, if he's still walking in deadness, if he's still walking in those things, then the thing that he purchased with his own money, his trailblazer, his golf cart, his trailer, those things, if he's worshipping those things, then really even a small dent or scratch All is lost All is lost Even one little small dent or one little scratch Onto something that we're worshipping We think oh my goodness Our world our world is broken Our world is What am I going to do And Rick responds in a completely different way Because he's walking in newness of life Because he's not, he's not carrying out the desires of his flesh He basically said That belongs to the Lord He's the one that purchased it, and I will continue to worship him. I thought, man, what a great statement, Rick. Are you sure? Like, Are you going to get in the car and change your, change your language? <laughs> are you going to be mad at me? Are you going to be, no, 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 this, this, is, this is nothing. This is nothing. Christ is bigger than this, and it's really nothing. But you know people who respond differently. They've made it. They've formed these things into, into their uh, to their idol, and so they begin to worship to worship those things. So what are we going to do? Are we going to make something into God and fall down and worship it? Verse seven says this of Isaiah 46. They lift it to their shoulders and they carry it. They set it in its place and it stands there. It cannot move from its place. If one cries to it, it does not answer or save him from his trouble. So back to Ephesians one through three or Ephesians two, one through three there. This is what deadness looks like. You've created something that's dead, you've placed it upon your shoulders, and it's only a burden. You've placed it upon your shoulders thinking it's going to give you life, but instead it's dead weight and it really just leads to death. And you try and move it from your shoulders and place it in front of you and you try and cry to it. Hey, save me. Hey, save me. Save me from the trouble I'm in. And yet it does not respond. Why doesn't it respond? Because it's it's dead. Because it's dead. We're carrying out the desires of the body, of the flesh, hoping and hopes as we carry these things that we can control it and that it will give us life. But in the end, it only leads to, it only leads to death. And so if we're, if we're in need of rescue, if we're walking in deadness, if we're walking in trespasses and sins, if we're walking, carrying out the things of the flesh and it's only leading to a burden, if these people in Isaiah 46, if they're doing the same thing, what needs to happen? Well, verse 8 of Isaiah 46, the good news comes in. Remember this and stand firm. Well, how can these people? How can they stand firm when you've just told us about the burden? You've just told us about the weight on our shoulders and how we put these things on us and it just continues to push us down and press us and crush us to the ground. How can we? How can we stand firm in this moment? Ephesians 2, verse 4 through 6. By God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, the firm foundation. Remember this, and stand firm. How can we stand firm? Well, we can stand firm because we know the good news is Christ has rescued us from our deadness. He has rescued us from our sins and trespasses, and not only did he do that, he didn't just stop at being the just judge, but he became the adoptive father and placed us in his family, seating us next to him raising us from the dead, raising us up and seating us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Isn't this funny that Isaiah 46, 8 says that? I mean, as God is giving these words to Isaiah to write down or to preach to these people, he says, remember this and stand firm. So they're like, this hopeful moment, This hopeful moment of like, man, we were crushed. The things that we thought were going to save us are actually just going to lead us into more captivity. This weight, this burden on our shoulders is pressing us down and crushing us. And then the Lord is saying, remember this and yet stand firm. Recall it to mind. So almost like a preach it to yourself. Remember this. And then he ends that short statement with, you rebellers or you transgressors. Like that reminder of, don't forget of where you came from. That you were sinners. That once you walked in deadness of sin, but now you can stand firm. When the storms of life come, you can stand firm. When you lose all your money, you can stand firm. When the idol that you had had scratches and dents on it, you can say it's not a worthy idol to worship anyways. Let me worship Jesus, and you can stand firm. When your husband's terrible, Mandy, or your wife is terrible, I don't know who else wants to admit that. When your parents are bad, or maybe you don't have parents at all, when your employer is the worst, when the stock market crashes, when the president's not good, when the world is in shambles, whatever the case may be, we can say, no, I can stand firm. Because of who I am in Christ. And mostly I can stand firm, if not ultimately I can stand firm, because of who Christ is. Can I tell you about if you, uh, Isaiah 53 again? You know that they had a lot of marks, and a lot of whipping, and a lot of, a lot of scars on Jesus. A lot of dents, a lot of holes. They tried to press him down. They tried to mutilate him where no one else would want him. And yet what happened? He rises from the grave. He conquers sin and death. He separates Satan forever, crushing him so that we might have life. Not just for his own good. Not just so that he could sit and brag. You know that, right? Like he's not some you know NFL star that can say, hey, I won the Super Bowl and just sit back and now let's do a documentary about how great I am. No. He did that. So that we could be reconciled to the Father. So that no longer are we dead, but now we are alive. Isaiah 46, 8 and 9. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Verse 9. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. So when you begin to worship things of this world, remember, there's nothing like God. Stop trying to find things... And worship those things. And then the end of Isaiah 46, uh, we get to this moment of, so we were dead, now we're alive, now what? What's going to happen now? I am God and there's no one like me. Verse 10 says this, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. His counsel shall stand. Nothing is going to, nothing is going to knock it down. Nothing is going to crush it. His counsel shall stand. His purposes will stand. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. We have a God who is never out of control. Uh, at our camp this week, I asked, what does it mean to be all-powerful? And there were two incredible statements. Uh, I'm going to just talk about one of them that nine-year-old boys came up with. What does it mean to be all-powerful? The, the number one statement that I thought was probably the best from a nine-year-old boy is, he can do whatever he wants. I mean, can't you hear a nine-year-old boy like that's wanting that? He's wanting power. I want to do whatever I want. I want to eat whatever I want. I want to go wherever I want. I want to swim whenever I want. And we're at RA camp, so it's like there's a schedule. You know, it's like, oh, I don't want to go to the lake right now, or I do want to go to the lake right now. Like, he wants power, all power. We have an all-powerful God who can do whatever he wants. And his counsel will stand. His counsel will stand. And it's amazing that this all-powerful God, who could do whatever he wants, sends his son to be the sacrifice for you and I and the rest of the world. He could do whatever he wants. He could wipe the entire earth and start all over. But instead, out of his amazing love, he sends his son to come and reconcile us to the Father. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purpose, and I will do it. Verse 4 of, chapter, of Ephesians chapter 2, again, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that, here's the future, dead, alive, now sent, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus is he just showing us that so that we can sit back and brag, sit in a recliner and say wow we have an incredible God or does he want the entire world to know about his immeasurable riches, for by grace you have been saved through him and this is not your own doing, it is a gift from God, the people in Isaiah chapter 46, they were trying to save themselves by things that they made trying to save save themselves by the things that they can control. We still do that today. Yes, Jesus, I want you to save me, but I want to control you. That's not how salvation works if christ carried us up the mountain and he carried us to the completion of it we belong to him so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his great uh, grace in kindness toward us in christ jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of god Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. We have been created by him. Remember what he said in Isaiah chapter uh, 46, verses 3 and 4. He created us, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Last time, Isaiah 46, 12 and 13. Listen to me, you're stubborn of heart. You who are far from righteousness. This is a repent and believe moment. When God gives these words to Isaiah, he's saying repent and believe. He's saying stop being stubborn of heart. Stop being hard-hearted. You are far from righteousness. You're dead in your trespasses and sins in which you, in which you once walked following the course of this world, carrying out the passions of the flesh, carrying these things around, these things like the beginning of Isaiah, carrying these things, hoping that you can control them and that they might save you, but they're not. Instead, you are still far from righteousness. Yeah, but we're doing spiritual things, God. We're worshiping things, God. We're being ritualistic people, God. We're doing good moral things. We're, we're not like other people who, who don't believe in a God at all. No, you're still far from righteousness. And so what do we have to do? We have to trust, repent, believe, and trust that God will bring righteousness near to us. That we don't have to build a tire, tower. (laughs) We don't have to build a tower in Babylon to reach God. Instead, he says, no, that won't work. Your good morals and your righteousness will not meet me where I am. And so instead, I will send my son to come down to where you are. I will bring my righteousness near to you so that you might be righteous also. And then when that happens, and the newness of life happens, Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, verse 10, that we are to walk in the things that God has created for us. Not walking and carrying out the flesh, uh, the desires of the flesh, are walking in deadness of life, but instead walking in newness of life. And Christian, this morning I feel like uh, I mentioned a story last week about tractor weights and about a, a bunch of tractor weights falling off the front of a tractor, my my best friend able to do wheelies, the front of the tractor coming out, uh, coming up and down. Christian, I feel like this is what we do. Yes, we've been saved and we know these things, but we go back into the field looking for the weight to put back on. The weight that Jesus has taken off, the sin that he's removed, the burden that he's taken away from us. I feel like we go and we search for those things. But I liked it. But I have to. I'm still living in this world, so I have to have those things. So we go searching for those things and we put that weight back on. That is not what Christ has called us to do. King David had this moment in Psalm 30. You can write this down. Maybe this is your your homework for the week. King David had this moment in Psalm 30 where uh, he recognized that he was in the pit. He was in shale, hell. Like he recognized this moment. Like the burden, the weight of sin, he recognized this moment. Lord, come and rescue me. Bring me out of the pit. No longer let me sit in this place. And verse uh, 11 says that he turned his mourning into dancing. He turned his mourning into dancing. It's a cool word here at the end of, of verse 10 when it says that we should walk in them That word walk is "parapateo." It's a Greek word. It, It means to how you conduct yourself, how you literally circle or spin or go in full circle. There's a ballet term that also means the same thing, pirouette spinning and circling, circling these dancers who are full of joy who are circling because they have newness of life expressing themselves saying I have joy it's the same way. Christian I, I wonder though like are we still walking in bad news? Like is there a reason why people aren't coming to coming to know Christ because of your example? Is there a reason why even our own family members see us struggle and we struggle just like them because we're still walking in death? Should we repent and say, Lord, I know you've taken death off of me. You've removed sin from me. Let me stop carrying those things. Instead, let me rest in you. You carrying me. You turning my mourning into dancing. Me spinning around full circle recognizing you created me. I've been born again. And in my new creation, I'm for you, that you might use me to what? So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. I'm not telling you because you're Baptist that you should go around dancing, but maybe you should. Maybe you should have a moment where you can say, Lord, restore to me the joy of salvation. Bring newness of life. For too long, I've been walking in death. So restore to me the joy of salvation. Turn my mourning into dancing. Let me celebrate. Let me be full of joy because I'm recognizing no longer am I walking in death, but instead Christ is carrying me in life. We pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you that no longer do we have to be bound to sin and death, but instead you broke You broke the chains that were fettered to our feet that were holding us to the grave. And so with that, Christ, would you stir in our hearts so much that we recognize no longer are we chained to the grave and also no longer are we wearing grave clothes but instead we are clothed with your righteousness with your holiness not just so that we can brag in that or boast but instead that we might be mirrors showing the immeasurable riches of your great mercy God thank you for rescuing us Thank you for taking the weight of sin the burden of this world off of us. So God, help us not to carry out things that you've taken off of us. Help us not to go search for those things. But instead, let us walk in newness of life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.